Welcome to the IMTS Monthly Podcast Series, brought to you by the International Manufacturing Technology Show 2016. webinars and video and that is that it is more important for your audio to be good than it is for the quality of the video to be good true absolutely true um, and so anytime that you are doing any types of videos always make sure that you are using either a high quality microphone or you get a high quality connection or you have one that's uh, uh, and on webinars, and sometimes you're doing over the phone, so you can't completely control that, but you still try to get the highest quality you can. You notice I'm using a headset here, you know, rather than talking through my computer, because this is still going to be a better, better quality. So, uh, and whenever you're doing videos, same thing applies. Is use a, a high quality um, microphone. So it's eight o'clock. I've already given out a very valuable tip this morning, and uh, I'm just showing off my new orange. Reading glasses, isn't that cool? Boy, you know what people say to me, where do you get all this orange stuff? And I'm, eh, you know what, you just got to pay attention is all. You just got to pay attention to where, you know, to to uh, um, when you're shopping or, or out and about or stuff like that. And, you know, orange is my color. I've got my uh, orange coffee cup here this morning. But thank you very much. we got a, we got a really great uh, uh, crowd today to uh, learn about trade shows. Yes, about trade shows. Now I'm going to leave this uh, this note up here that if you want to call in and listen on the phone, excuse me while I sip a little Starbucks there, um, and uh, I'll just leave that up for just a second. But uh, this program today, uh, another another one of the IMTS EDU attend. This is this is really you know originally this is aimed at the attendees. You know we've been doing exhibitor webinars every month uh, for for several years now and uh, those are very very popular and and then we started doing the attendee webinars last year uh, every month and they have they have proven to be even more popular well, I guess it's because there's probably more attendees than there are exhibitors but that that's beside the point and uh, so uh, so thank you for joining me today uh, this is one of you and of course you are always welcome to, jo to, to to attend either one of the webinars you can go look at the schedule uh, on the imts.com uh, website and see what the see see what we've been doing and what we've been talking about. I did a pretty strong program, I believe, the other day, a couple days ago, about microconversions uh, for the exhibitors, and uh, and that's something that actually uh, has uh, uh, you know a great connection with trade shows. And I'm going to talk about that as part of the trade show marketing today. Uh, and uh, so you might want to go watch that that the replay of that program. It's not posted yet, but it will be posted like uh, in the next day or so. Uh, but uh, but anyway. Uh, you know, we're here to talk about trade shows today, and the reason why we're talking about how to get the most out of trade shows today is because last month uh, I, there were actually quite a few comments from people who said that you, that you wanted to learn about uh, using trade shows and uh, getting getting the most out of trade shows. And it just so happens, it just so happens that I built my business originally about 20. Let's see, what is it? This is this is 2014. Well, I started my business back in uh, 1980. And it was originally as a trade show consultant, and I ended up writing a book called How to Get the Most Out of Trade Shows. Clever title, don't you think? And uh, that has 
that is still today the, the number one selling book in the industry. It's, uh, it's in like its third or fourth uh, edition. Uh, I have no idea how many printings it's been through, but it's, uh, it's, it's done very, very well as far as a business book goes. Uh, and uh, so, so, from, so, so I built my business around uh, first working with companies on trade show marketing. Now, why did that start? Because I was actually a marketing guy. But, you know, like most people who are in sales and marketing, uh, you're going to, and primarily in the B2B world when we talk about that, uh, if you're in sales and marketing, you're going to end up going to trade shows. I mean, let's just face the fact that you are going to trade shows, whether they are local, regional, national, big international shows. And so, uh, and, and so for many, many years while I was in sales and marketing, of course, I went to a lot of trade shows. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that I actually went to my very first trade show, and I'm giving away, a, you know, how really how old I am. I went to my very first trade show in 1966 working the trade show. Okay? I was 15 years old. My dad, uh, you know, was uh, uh, who was the uh, developer of the 8-track tape player, uh, took me to the Consumer Electronics Show with their company and we uh, um, uh, you know, and we promoted the the latest version of the 8-track back then. But he had me work in the show. So I started working trade shows at a very young age. But one of the things that I learned about trade shows uh, in trade show marketing was, was that when I, when I would go out later on, and when I first started my business, I was m working as a marketing consultant. And I worked with a lot of small companies in the Seattle area. I actually started down in the Los Angeles area and eventually moved up here to Seattle. But started working with a lot of small businesses on their marketing. But in the, in the course of working with them on their marketing, I started to realize that they were really not, they, you know, everybody's going to trade shows. They're spending a lot of money to go to trade shows. Let's, let's face facts. You know, trade shows are expensive. They take a lot of, if you do them right, take a lot of time in planning. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got, you know, you got to design the booth. You've got to ship the booth if you need to, or you've got to carry the booth, and that's, that's a hassle. I've done that so many times. Uh, and you know, get the booth put up, and sometimes you have to hassle with the unions, and you got to pay drage, and and then you got to work the show. I mean, it's it's it. There's a lot to uh, trade shows. Trade shows are, might be the single most complicated marketing tool out there, uh, and you know, yet in spite of all of that, and in spite of all the money that people would spend at trade shows and exhibiting at trade shows, very few exhibitors really could connect the dots between their participation at trade shows and ROI from trade shows. Now, many years ago, I mean, back, you know, when I was first in sales and marketing, almost all the trade shows were order writing shows and, and, when I, and, and order writing for most exhibitors, most if not all exhibitors. I would go to a trade show uh, with my company and I would write a ton of orders or I would be displaying prototype products, new products that we wanted to test the waters and see if we could get pre-orders uh, before we would even decide to go into, man, you know, go into production with those types of products. And so, so it was always, you know, in those days, it was very, very easy to measure success simply by how, you know, the pile of papers that you brought back, the orders that you brought back, the number of orders, the size of orders, all that stuff. And, um, um, Aaron, Aaron, we don't we don't need to get into what actual ages are right now. Okay, age is just a number. Okay, so uh, Aaron is Aaron is guessing my age. All right, she's guessing my age. So, uh, so, 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 so,
so uh, um, uh, so uh, while I would be working with these companies, I realized that trade shows were a very important part of their marketing because they would go to trade shows. They they they, they really kind of had to be at some of these trade shows, and uh, you know, but they weren't getting very much out of it. And so I started really spending a lot of time teaching people about that because I was really good at trade shows. That was one thing I was really really good at as an exhibitor. And that's a, that's a long story, but we don't have time to talk about that. And uh, and so I ended up writing the book. It ended up being you know big seller. Uh, I got you know lots and lots of work as a, as a trade show consultant. And while I still continue continued, and you know to work primarily as a marketing consultant for 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 companies, you know I developed a name in the trade show industry as, as kind of one of the top top guys there. And so and it still kind of sticks with me, of course. Uh, as 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 it probably should, uh, because you know the book is still selling, and I've got other books out there now as well, and uh, um, uh, you know, and I still get the questions a lot about trade shows, about about how to get the most out of trade shows. So what what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk. I, I'm I'm going to kind of go. This is going to be a broad brush. Okay, I'm going to try to take like a full day program, cram it down into the next you know 50 minutes or so, and. Uh, um, uh, and, and give you an overview that will that will help you. I promise you that the information I'm going to share with you right now, even though it's an overview, it will help you. That if you exhibit at trade shows, it will help you be more successful. So, um, uh, uh, you know, and I want to remind everybody. Of course, this is brought to you by IMTS 2014. If 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 you are an attendee. Uh, at, at IMTS, or you were an attendee, at two, attendee in 2012, we want you back at, in 2014, and registration is open. You know, please go to IMTS.com and register, and if you talk to somebody, you know, tell them Steve sent you. I don't know. You won't get any discounts or anything like that, but uh, um, but what the heck. Go in there and sign up, and because I want to see you all there at the show. So let's rock and roll here. Uh, let me start out with something about why... Uh, you know what I call, what I call why exhibitors fail at trade shows. Why they fail to get the most out of trade shows that they are they are participating. And there's basically three reasons why you see exhibitors fail. Now the first reason is a very simple one. Okay, the question is how did you learn how to do trade shows? I mean, think about that for just uh, just just a second here while I you know drink, drink my coffee. I know it's rude, but you know what? We're all just we're all just friends here, right? We're all just friends. I hope you're having your coffee too. Oh, and Mary Beth, thank you for reminding me of this um, because I guess I should give a little bit of uh, you know we are recording this. All right, we record everything. I will send you out the links to the recording uh, as well as the uh, visuals from the presentation, uh, so you will have that. Uh, and uh, and it's only a thousand. No, it's free. Of course, it's free. We'll be sending all that stuff out. And if you do have questions, just pop them in down here. I will be paying attention to those, and I will do my best to to track those as we go and and, and answer your questions. So the, so when you think about how did you learn how to uh, uh, exhibit at trade shows, for most of us, for most of us, me included, the answer is we really learned kind of from the school of hard knocks, right? We were kind of just thrown to the wolves, even even as even as exhibit staffers, even as the people who were just working, even if we were not in charge of planning everything, we were, uh, we, we were as exhibit staffers, we were just kind of told, okay, here's the trade show, here's your airplane ticket, here's your hotel, uh, here, here are the time, you know, the hours of the show, 
go have a great show, right? And, uh, um, and, and once, once the trade shows started moving away from being order writing shows, then, you know, you're spending all of this money, you got all these people going to the trade shows, and now all of a sudden they're going, okay, okay, so we're not writing orders at the show, we're not writing orders on site, how do we prove that, this, that these big checks that we're writing and all this time we're spending there, how do we prove that it's valuable? And for most of us, the way we learned how to exhibit it at trade shows, and really this is, the, this is the absolute truth when we think about it, was we watched the other exhibitors, you know, or we watched other people in our booth. We, we observed. We, you, know, you know, it's kind of a benchmarking approach to exhibiting. We watched the other players at, at the show, and we would say, okay, well, they're doing this, or, or you, know, what are they, you know, what's happening that looks like they're being successful, and so what are they doing? Well, we'll do that, too. And in fact, I, I would venture to say that even to this day, you still do that, uh, because I would bet money that during a show like IMTS, uh, if you were exhibiting at IMTS, or if you're exhibiting at some other show, you know, even a local show uh, in your area, is that you might, you, you probably take time, if you can, uh, you probably take time to walk around the show, and you will observe the other exhibitors, and then you will, and in your mind, you'll get, you'll have some type of a definition of what the visual representation of success looks like, and in most cases, it's a crowded booth. And so you say, okay, ooh, their booth is crowded. What are they doing in their booth? Uh, and you say, oh, well, they've got a popcorn machine, or they've got a booth babe, or they've got a putting course, or they've got, they're giving away cookies or something like that. That's what we'll do next year. See, and that's the way we learn. And that's the way we probably learned in the beginning, right? Well, here's the issue. There are two issues from that, actually. First one is, who taught them? And the answer is, Nobody, you know, nobody. They walked around the show you know, or uh, some show that they were at, and they saw somebody doing something, and they copied it, all right? And, and so what, what ends up happening is that we end up benchmarking the people we really should not be benchmarking, okay, because we are competing with every single exhibitor at a trade show. We are competing for the time of the attendee, the time and the attention of the attendee, and the attendee is walking around. And if you're at a trade show, and, and we'll use uh, uh, IMTS as, as the example, if you're at a trade show that's got, you know, 1,500 exhibiting companies at the show, well, you're competing with 1,500 companies because the attendee is walking around the show, and if that attendee is in somebody else's booth, they're not in yours. So you are competing with every single exhibitor at the show, not just your direct competitors. You're also competing with the indirect competitors. And so the way we learned was by observing other, other exhibitors at shows that we go to. We copied them. All right. So the, is that original? No, that's not original. It's copying. And so what ends up happening is that over the years, all the exhibitors are looking at each other, and they're all copying each other, and everybody starts to look alike, and everybody starts to act alike. And it's very, very common in the trade show world. You know, I work in a, you know, at last count, I've worked in something like 124 different industries, and I've probably gone to thousands of trade shows around the world in all these different industries. And when a trade show has been around for a few years, there starts, the, the trade show starts to develop a sameness of look, a, a, a look and feel where it's like everybody starts to look and act the same. Like, for example, at some technical shows you go to, 
you know, what, what do you think is the main color that you're going to see in exhibits at, at technical shows? And the answer is very easy to guess. It's blue. It's IBM blue. IBM started that many years ago when people would say, oh, we want to be like IBM. They, they're, they're the big guns, so we'll, let's copy IBM. We'll be blue. And now you go to a lot of tech shows, and let me tell you something. If you were allergic to blue, you'd be dead in the first aisle. Okay? Because everybody is looking alike and everybody's acting alike. So the fact of the matter is, is that by looking at the, the, the other exhibitors at the trade shows that you are going to, you're making a huge mistake. Your, your objective is not to copy them. Your objective is to separate yourself from them, is to, is to be different from the competition. And that leads up to the, second, to the second question, is that there is too much time and money focused on the hardware side of exhibiting. See, there are two sides to the exhibiting uh, you know, formula. There's the hardware side of exhibiting. And the hardware side of exhibiting, that includes your booth, you know, the booth design, the booth setup, the booth layout. If you have to ship the booth, you have to have the booth put up, uh, all those things regarding the booth. Even the products are the hardware side of side of exhibiting. The software side of exhibiting would be, you know, your pre-show marketing, your, uh, um, your, 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 you know, if you're doing mailers, if you're doing communications with prospects to get them to come in and see you at the show, the staffers that are working in your booth, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, follow up at the show, uh, after the show, things like that. That's what I call the software side of exhibiting. And when you think about it, and you ask yourself, okay, which side of the coin do you spend most of your time and money on? The answer is the hardware side of exhibiting. And yet, which side has a greater impact on potential ROI? And the answer is the software side. So again, but that goes back to how did we learn to, to exhibit? Where did we learn how to exhibit? We learned by observing other exhibitors. And in our observations, we came to the conclusion, we'd better, you know, we better focus on the, the booth and the giveaways and, I mean, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, you know, and again, the focus is on the, the wrong side. You know, I'm not saying that hardware isn't important. Of course it's important, but the balance needs to be better. All right? Instead of 80-20 hardware, software, it should be more 50-50, you know, hard, hardware, software. And the third reason why exhibitors fail is because they don't have any clear measurable objectives. When, when we would go to, to shows and we wrote orders, we would go to the shows, and, and I remember my dad used to say, oh, if we write one more order, or we write, you know, one dollar more uh, than, than we did last year, or if we write orders, uh, enough orders to pay for our booth, to pay for our participation at the show, then I'm really, really happy. And what I've learned over the years now is that, you know, number one, we're not going to write those orders. You know, in most cases, we're not going to write that many orders anymore at, at a trade show. The trade shows are no longer just pure sales events. They're more marketing events. And marketing is, marketing is creating that relationship with somebody, is establishing that relationship with somebody to where you get them on the con conveyor belt so that after the show you turn them into a customer, after the show you turn them into a, in, into a sale. And, and yet people can't figure out how to connect those dots. They can't figure out how to say, they say, okay, well, we go to the show and we generate leads, but we can't prove ROI. And that's just, you know, and, and, the, and that's just absolutely not true. Of course you can prove ROI. In fact, every marketing tool that you use should stand on trial for its life for ROI. So, People do not go to trade shows and set, set clear, measurable objectives. Most of the time when I ask people, well, what are your objectives for the show? And they'll go, eh, you know, you know, 
you know, we'll, you know, or I'll say, how do you know you have a great show? And they say, oh, I, I, I just know, you know, and they just, they just say they've got a gut feeling about it. So, so, okay, so exhibitors tend to fail at trade shows, but there are things that you can do to be more successful that will have impact. And I'm going to get, I'm going to give you five quick components right here uh, uh, on on how you can do that. I mean, the first one, number one, is to be able to set. Uh, is, is to set specific measurable objectives. Let me see. I, I think I see a question here. Uh, let's see. Our product looks more expensive than it actually is. We display prices to let the attendees know what the price actually is. Um, that's a good question. I'm not really wild about prices. You know, because besides, you're not selling. You know, you're not selling based on price. If you're selling based on price, you're going to die on price. Uh, so, um, I mean, even if your price, even if your product's more expensive, you know, than uh, or they look more expensive than it actually is, um, I, I still probably wouldn't 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 do that. But we can actually talk about that a little bit later on at, at the end. So I'll keep your keep your question there. Okay. But the first first component is, is objective setting measurable objectives. I'm going to show you I'm going to show you uh, uh, a formula for how you can do that. That's a pretty simple thing. The second is booth design. You obviously want to have a booth that's going to attract people in, 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 into your, your space. Third is pre-show promotion, if you're able to have any pre-show promotion. The fourth is the staff, extremely important component, if not the most important component uh, of your success. And the last one is post-show. Now, of course, there are other things that you can, get, you can uh, include in the list, but for purposes of our discussion today in the short time we've got, I'm going to just stick with just stick with these five. Now, objectives. Let me let me talk a little bit about objectives and about how you can measure your success at show and prove ROI. And it's a real simple little formula, and I've taken I've taken hundreds of companies through this, you know, and it's very very astonishing as to uh, um, uh, how how easy this is. So what I do when I'm talking to a company is the first thing that I will ask them is we start to talk about the show itself. We just start talking about something like, okay, how many hours is the show open? You know, um, how many staffers are you going to have working at any one time during the trade show? How many conversations per hour do you think that your staffers can average during the trade show? Uh, you know, what percentage of the people that you talk to, do you think would fit the profile of your target market, right? So in other words, they would turn into, they, they might turn into actual prospects. And if you combine all of these and you put these together, you can actually say, okay, here is, uh, you, you know, this is the potential number of leads that we can get at a trade show. Now let me take you through this first, and I'll explain how this even, you can even extend it farther than this. So let's say you're working at a trade show that is open for 20 hours, okay? And let's and then let's say you're going to have four people on average every hour during the show. I mean, you might have more than four staffers working the show totally, but but they might not all be working at the same time. But you are going to have four in the booth all the time. All right. So that's that. You know, four four people, 20 hours show. That's 80 staff hours. All right. Now let's say that you, you know, how many how many conversations can they have on average during each hour of the show? Now I want you to think about this for a second. You know, you know, I say, all right, how many minutes is a is the average trade show encounter? 
Now, most exhibitors, when I ask exhibitors that question, and I say, how many minutes is the average trade show encounter? They will say three to five minutes. Three to five minutes. Well, what can you accomplish in three to five minutes? And the answer is basically nothing. All right? You can basically introduce yourselves to each other in three to five minutes. But when I've surveyed attendees for years now, for years in dozens and dozens of different shows, across, uh, uh, you know, in all different industries. They, when I ask them how long is the average conversation, they basically, I mean, the, in fact, the average has come, has, has, is, is precisely, based on my surveys, is precisely 19.45 minutes, 19 and a half minutes for their average conversation. Now, why, is it, why do they say that? And the reason is, is because, it, because attendees are looking for answers. They're looking for new products. They're looking for services. They're looking for something that's going to help solve a problem that they've got, a challenge that they have, a project that they've got, uh, you know, maybe replace a worn-out machine or something. And, and so they have questions that they want to have answered. And their attitude is, if you give, me the, you give me a reason and you give me the right answers, I will give you the time. Now, exhibitors tend to go into the conversation thinking, I have, I have, time to do, you know, I, I, I have to have hit and runs. I have to, I have to blast, blast, blast. And uh, so, uh, you know, and so when you think about the average type of conversations and you consider the fact that there's going to be time in between and all that sort of stuff, then, then really what the average ends up being is about two conversations per hour that you can have. So you've got 20, 20 hours, four staff working, two conversations per hour, that would equal, equal a total of 160 conversations at the trade show. 160 conversations. Now, let's say that out of those 160 conversations, you determine that 20% of them really fit the profile of your target market. And if you look at it from a uh, lead scoring perspective, uh, you might even say that it's, uh, 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 you know, and, and is, is that you're looking for both do they fit the profile of my target market, and are they interested? Okay, and let's say 20% of the people that you talk to are interested, and the answer, and and so then you multiply that, and uh, and Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your questions at the end when I do have the Q&A, okay? Uh, but thank you. Yeah, make sure you got your questions in there. So so with 20%. Uh, of the conversations, that means that you can basically say that the objective at the trade show is to walk away with 32 quality leads. So now, now, the, now, then you then you start to get into the conversations about okay, are there things in here that you can affect? I mean, can you you know can you have more people working in the booth? Well, that depends on the size of the booth, uh, and you know because you don't want it to be too crowded with staffers, uh, which would be intimidating to attendees. Um, and you know, can they really have more than two conversations per hour? Some some companies can, all right. And then there are other companies who would be lucky to have one quality conversation per hour because a 20-minute conversation simply isn't long enough, all right. And so you want to have a quality conversation with people. That's the objective: is to have quality conversations, not hit and runs. If all you do is just look for hit and runs, scan badges, you know, things like that, well, you have not taken them through a qualifying process. You've not found out what they're interested in. You've not found out what their problems are. And in fact, you've made your, you've made your job harder because if all you do is go and you do the hit and runs and you try to grab, you know, 
10, 20 people an hour. If we did that here, let's say, let's say we, we had 10 times as many, all right? So we end up with 1,600 conversations, 320 leads. How are you going to follow up on 320 leads after the show? You know, I've got Fortune 500 clients who can't follow up on 200 leads after the show because it takes too much time, all right? So you have to be paying attention to what you can accomplish, what you should accomplish, all right? But if I go in now and I say, all right, 32 leads, I'm going to give you 32 quality leads at the show, what is your closing rate afterwards? Now, most of you don't know the answer to that, do you? You do not know the answer. But if I were to, if, but if, if you were one of my clients and I would say, okay, we know that if we get 32 high-quality leads that we're going to close, I don't know, let's say 20% of them, all right? So that's about, say, six people that we close as new business. And, uh, uh, and, in new bus and I say, all right, and what's your average sale with, with a new customer? Well, my average sale is, you know, $100,000. Okay, well, $100,000 times uh, um, six is $600,000. But I'm also going to have them long term, all right? Maybe my average sale with them over the years is going to be another $100,000. So in, so in reality, based on long-term value, based on knowing my closing rate, I could say that 32 leads for me at the show is going to turn into $1.2 million in revenues. So again, this is the way you have to go into it to set your objectives. Because now if I go in and I say, all right, our objective is to get 32 leads, but in order for us to get 32 leads, we have to have 160 conversations. In order to get 160 conversations, you guys have to have two conversations per hour. So that's how you set your objectives that are meaningful, that make a big difference. Okay? Now, there are other ways to set objectives, but this is also part of like micro-conversions. And uh, you know, I talked about micro-conversions, that each one of these steps is a micro-conversion. I need to get people to, you know, uh, to have that conversation with them. That's a micro-conversion. Micro I need to get 20% of them to... Uh, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using this as, as just an example. Oh, the, the question is what? Uh, what was the 20% again? 20% is just is just a, a number I'm throwing out. I'm saying that if you have 160 conversations with people, they're not all going to be qualified. You know, they're not necessarily all. Everybody who walks into your booth is going to be qualified, and so you want to have a conversation with them to determine if they're qualified. All right, and I'm just using this number. It might be higher. You know, maybe maybe you'll be working at a vertical show where uh, almost everybody that walks through is a potential prospect. So instead of 20% fitting the profile, maybe it's 50% or or 80%. Uh, it might be might be higher than that. So um, so this is the way that you start to set up your objectives when you're going to the show, and that way you've got something measurable. You've got something measurable that you can you can say, all right, we're going after. 32 leads, and this is how we're going to get it. So, so that's a quick and easy way to set objectives for the show. All right. Uh, the second thing, second of my five things, and I have a half an hour left. The second of my five things is booth design. All right. Now, let me ask you this quick question. I just want you to think about this. Uh, um, what is the purpose of the exhibit? Now, I want you to think about that for a second. And uh, you know, while I take another sip. And when I ask my clients and when I ask audiences what is the purpose of their exhibit, for the most part, the answers fall into the, the, the categories of, well, the purpose of the exhibit is to support sales. The purpose of the exhibit is to provide a meeting area. The, you know, it's, it's, it's all those things. 
and I have to remind everybody, no, the, the purpose, the, the exhibit basically has one primary purpose, primary purpose. Okay? I mean, all those answers are correct, but they're not the primary purpose. The primary purpose of the exhibit is to get the attendee to stop in your booth. Right? This is that micro-conversion that I talk about. This is that you know, next step. You know, here is the thing. We must get the right person to stop in our booth. Now, what the mistake, the fallacy, the myth that so many exhibitors fall into is they do things to get everybody to stop in their booth. They have giveaways, they have drawings, they, you know, they, they, they have contests, and those are designed to get every single anybody who can fog a mirror is welcome in the booth. I don't want anybody who can fog a mirror to walk, to, to walk into my booth. I am looking for the person who fits the profile of my target market. And I want to do things through messaging, through design, through pre-show marketing, all those things to just get those people to stop in my booth. And what I also want to have happen is I want to make sure that my messaging in my booth uh, is such that when somebody is not qualified, that they just keep walking. All right. I'm not going to mess. I don't want to mess around with them because I only have so many hours at the show. Let's say the, the example I used: 20 hours at the show. So the primary purpose is to get the right person to stop. So let's think about the components of exhibit design. The components of, it, of exhibit design are number one: it's size and space. And when I say size, size and space are different because the size of your booth matters. The size of your booth matters. Uh, now, I understand there are a lot of small companies out there who get 10 by 10s at trade shows. And sometimes they'll ask me, they'll say, okay, well, what is the single best piece of advice that you can give me um, for, uh, you know, for me because I'm a small guy, I'm a 10 by 10 booth. And the single best piece of advice I can give you is get a 20-foot booth. Because just the size of your booth, now going from a 10-foot booth to a 20-foot booth, that, just that alone sends a very powerful message. It also gives you more time while the attendee is walking by. If you have not used pre-show promotion and pre-show marketing to get people to, to already uh, decide to come in and see you, then you're relying on people walking by. And you know, think about this. For every 10 feet of linear booth space that you've got, you know, from you know, when they walk from here to here, all right, it's going to take them about three seconds, three seconds. And in those three seconds, They've got to look at your booth. Hopefully, they're not looking across the other side of the aisle, but they're looking at your booth, and they're asking themselves three questions. Who are you? What do you do? And why should I stop and talk to you? Why should I give my valuable time here at the show to you and nobody else? Because the average attendee is really only going to visit probably 40 to 50 total exhibitors at a trade show, and it doesn't matter whether the trade show has 200 exhibitors or it has 2,000 exhibitors. That's, for most of the attendees, that's all, that's all they're going to see. And so you have to convince them in three seconds, if you have a 10-foot booth, to stop in, stop in your booth. That's why size and space is so important, is that the bigger, the bigger your booth is you know, on the aisle, you've got more time. You've got another three seconds. You've got six seconds. And actually, that's quite a bit of time. And you should be able to, to convince somebody. The space is that you don't fall into that dumb trap that so many exhibitors fall into. Where they get, that I have to bring 
every single product that we've got. And we have to, I don't care how small our booth is, we are going to cram our booth with every single product in there. And we're going to bring so many staffers in there that it's going to, it's going to be packed. And no, you want room for the attendee to come in. So size and space is very important. You want your booth to be a visual, what I call a visual train wreck. So like for example, at the trade shows, you know, trade, the technical trade shows, when I'm working with companies there, and you know, they're, they're saying, well, what can we do to be a visual train wreck? I say, well, every other exhibitor at the show is blue. So what, what are we going to do? We're going to be red. We're going to be orange. We're going to be yellow. That's what we're going to do because that way we are a visual train wreck. We're going to look very different from the rest of the booths. I'm going to show you. I'll show you some examples of these here in just a second. Clarity of message. You know, who are you? What do you do? Why should I stop? All right. Now, who who you are? The name of your company. Now, one of the things to think about is is that yeah, they want to know who you are, but is that a reason for them to stop? No. So why would you make the name of your company the biggest piece of copy in your booth when I'm trying to get people to stop? So I'm going to think in terms of my message, the what I do and why they should stop. Now. Do not, again, more, more mistakes that exhibitors make. A lot of us make the mistake of thinking, oh, it's easy to tell what we do. You know what? It's easy to tell what you do because that's what you do, all right? You live it, you breathe it, you're there every day. You get it. It's not the attendee's job to get it. The, the single number one complaint from attendees at trade shows is they, they, they say, I walk by booths and I have no idea what they do. No idea. The second biggest complaint, by the way, is that they stop in somebody's booth and they're ignored. Think about that. All right. So clarity of message. Why should they stop and talk to you? And the, the, the fourth one, attendee friendly, kind of goes back onto the, the space thing, but it's attendee friendly. It's non-threatening. It doesn't, it doesn't intimidate them. You know, it's not like they have to go find some crevice to climb in or, or something like that. You want them to come in. Let me give you. Let me just show you some quick examples here. Like here, for example, there are a couple of things wrong with this booth. Number one, size and space. There are two staffers working in that booth. You know, way over here, and they're paying no attention to the people coming from this side. The booth is too big. They're using white carpet, which, quite frankly, is intimidating. People, you know, that ooh, that red wine and white carpet, you know, things like that. It's very difficult for people to make that decision to walk in there. And as you can see, they're very, very busy. Okay. Uh, you know, here's one. Look at this. This is good. All right. Nice and colorful. This is a visual train wreck. And you can tell who they are. And, you, you know, and, and you can tell what they do. Candy. Right. And, uh, you know, very, 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 very uh, open and friendly. Remember I talked about visual train wreck. Color. Like imagine that if. If at this trade show most of the most of the booths are gray or red or something like that, well, this just solid blue booth is a visual train wreck. The cool thing about it is that right across the aisle from this booth was this booth, all red, another visual train wreck. Now I would have probably not had the white carpet, and they're a little bit. There's a little bit. It's a little bit too crowded in there. They certainly have blocked this this one aisle, you know, with that sign. Uh, you know, that I probably would have gotten rid of that sign to make it more open for them to, to come in. But just from the color perspective, visual train wreck. Here's a message that, you know, this guy, simple, simple booth, right? 
nothing, no, nothing really crazy about it. But look at this message. Life is too short to carry an ugly pen. If pens are important to you, and there are people out there who care about their pens, right? If they care about their pen, they're going to stop and talk to this guy. If they don't care about their pen, if all they care about is they got something that, uh, that you know, doesn't leak in their pocket, uh, then they're just going to keep on walking. And he doesn't care because his message was so, was, was so strong. All right. Uh, let's see. Do I have another one? Oh, yeah. Here's another one. Okay. What are they doing? You know, it's it's so busy in this booth. This booth is actually, you know, they have de they have decided that they're going to offer the service of to all the the attendees can come by their booth and you will ship their uh, um, literature and samples home for them free of charge. And so, you know, the bad thing about this booth is all the staffers did during the entire show was just pack pack boxes. They spent no time talking to the attendees, and uh, and that's that is absolutely no no way to do it. So, 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 so think about those things from a booth perspective, being a visual train wreck space, uh, um, you know, clarity of message, attendee friendly, things like that. Um, now, in some, you know, some exhibit, uh, some trade shows, or a lot of trade shows, you can do pre-show promotion, right? Now, there are some trade shows that may be local trade shows, and you don't really have the opportunity to, to get lists or to do very much promotion ahead of time. Uh, but, uh, but when you can use pre-show promotion, when you are exhibiting at a trade show where you can contact people ahead of time, this is a huge, huge leverage, uh, you know, a huge benefit that you should take full advantage of, is to contact people ahead of time and invite them to, to visit you at the show. And, uh, you know, and, um, whoops, I'm going the wrong direction, sorry. Uh, and, of course, the number one tool that everybody wants to use is email, okay? But guess what? Email is a terrible tool. Email is a terrible tool. And I'm, and I'm going to say it's a terrible tool. It can be used successfully in pre-show promotion. But why do we use it? I mean, what is the per why do we want to use email? Well, number one, it's free. And number two, it's just brain dead easy to just, you know, put, you know, put 5,000 names in and click, you know, write a, write a message, you know, dear, uh, you know, IMTS attendee and click send and we pat ourselves on the back. We go, well, boy, aren't we good marketers, all right? And then you go and you open your email and you look and your spam filter is filled with all kinds of similar messages from other companies who want you. Yeah, see, email is difficult. If you do not have a relationship with somebody ahead of time and you are just sending them part of an email blast, that's spam. That's what it is. You know, it's spam when you get it. It's spam when you send it, and uh, and and that is not good. Now, a, a lot of exhibitors do complain, and they get very upset because trade shows will not give them the email addresses of attendees. And the bottom line is, the fact of the matter is, they cannot give you the emails of the attendees that are coming to the show. It's against the law. The Can Spam Act of uh, 2003, you know, specifically says that if you do not have a provable relationship with somebody, you know, then you really are not allowed to send them an email. I mean, that's, that's really what the law says, okay? Now, certainly, you know, if you're sending somebody a personal email and you're contacting them to try to, try to, to make initial contact with them, and it's a personal email, you know, that's fine, okay? But if you're sending out blasts to dozens, hundreds, thousands of people, 
who have no relationship with you, you are violating the CAN-SPAM Act. And because of that, the, these, the trade shows are not allowed to share anybody's email address. They're not allowed to. So, so stop asking, okay, and stop complaining about it if, if, if you're upset about it. They just simply can't do it. But if you do have relationships with people, that's fine. If on your list of prospects you've got relationships with them and you've got their email addresses, fine. Send them emails, but make them personal. Don't, don't just send out, hey, dear IMTS attendee, you know, come and see me at the show. You know, no, make them personal. And that takes me to direct mail, which is the best tool that you can use ahead of time to contact people. I've asked. I, I ask, again, asking attendees in surveys and focus groups all around the world, what is the best way to communicate with you ahead of time? And they say, you know what? Send me a letter. Send me a personal letter you know, that says, Dear Steve, I hope you're planning on attending the IMTS show because we are going to be there. We would love to see you. And here's why. Because we're going to have this product. We're going to have these machines. We're going to have this you know, at the show. Uh, and we believe that that's something that's going to be important to you. So we would love for you to come by and see us. If possible, we'd love to set an appointment with you, and you provide some type of uh, contact information, and, you know, or plan on following up with them with a phone call, you know, later later on. But a personal letter is the single best way. Personal letter, no label. It's not it's not a mailing label. It's not bulk mail. It's a real letter, printed. It's got a name on it first-class stamp. All right, that's the best one. The second best one, fat mail. Fat mail. That's where you send something to somebody and it's got something inside. You send a letter to them because much like getting people to stop is the number one objective uh, at a trade show, you know, for the booth at the trade show, when you're sending anything else, any other marketing tool like email or uh, letters in the mail or something like that, it's to get them to open it. All right, microconversion. That's a microconversion. You know, in your in email, if you if you look at an email, if you're looking at your list of emails that you got this morning, here's how you went through it. You looked number one to see who they were from, and if it was from somebody you knew, you opened it up and you read it. If it wasn't from somebody you knew, then you looked at the subject lines, and if the subject line was of interest to you, you know, spurred your interest, then you opened it. Okay, and if they didn't, then you probably deleted it. Okay? Well, same thing applies with with mail. You want to spur the interest of somebody to open that mail, and and a lot of times, and if they don't know you, then you know you can do something like put something inside the letter, right? Now I used to do little five cent sugar daddies to companies uh, um, that I wanted to talk to, and I would say, hey, do you ever feel like? You're a sugar daddy to your salespeople, or do you feel like you're a sugar daddy uh, to your exhibitors, or do you, you know, things like that? And and I would put like a little five cent sugar daddy in the letter, and I had huge response, huge response out of that. So fat mail is very, very popular. But this one, this one is what I call one of my secret weapons: greeting cards. Greeting cards are fabulous tools to communicate with people, because when you when you get a greeting card. You're going to open it. You you will open it every time we get a greeting card. We will open it. It doesn't have to have something in it. You know, we don't even have to know who it's from. It might not, not even have a return address on it. Uh, but uh, but we will open a greeting card. 
it's just it's just hardwired in us that that greeting cards are going to get open. And so if you can, you know, I I have often used greeting cards with clients as pre-show promotional pre-show communication tools to send to people to say, hey, we would love to have you come by and see us at the at the at the show. And greeting cards are they're not they're, they're not very expensive, okay? And especially online, you can get in, you can get services online where the greeting cards. Um, are very are are very cheap, much cheaper than going to uh, you know a Hallmark store or anything like that. So uh, let's see. So those are the oh oh yeah one more thing. Social media. You know social media people. Uh, uh, the, the the thing about social media is that we have to recognize social media is not a mini press release tool. Right. That's that's not social media. Social media is not called marketing media, business media, mass media. It's not an advertisement tool. It's a communication tool. It's a discussion tool. It's a, it's a, you need to be providing information that is useful, entertaining, uh, uh, engaging, that type of stuff. And social media can be used very successfully to, to attract attention ahead of time. I, I think one of the best examples I ever saw, um, uh, you know, and I've actually seen this at a couple of different shows in different industries, uh, and I may have seen it uh, at IMTS, but uh, is that a company who is driving to, uh, 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 you know, getting ready for IMTS will start will use social media to start posting on, you know, and 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 tweeting about it, and on even on Facebook and on LinkedIn about saying, hey, we're getting ready to go to IMTS, and here's what we're doing today to get ready. We're looking at our booth, right, and pictures of, you know, the the booth under construction or something or, or reviewing it you know somewhere and showing the people in the planning process and then you know, when it's time to go driving to Chicago for example and and have and tweeting along the way and saying oh we're in uh, you know we're in Poughkeepsie you know and and uh, we're stopping at uh, you know RJB's for uh, for lunch and anybody in the area who wants to come and join us uh, for lunch come on we'll buy right and They'll use social media to kind of tell a story and kind of make something that's fun and engaging, and uh, and when that happens, a lot of people start to follow. A lot of people that you know, and if they're if they're going to the show, a lot of them will use that and you say, hey, we're going to the show, and you know, we hope that you're going to be there too, and we'd love to see you. Um, let us know if you're going to the show, and you know, just more of a conversation than a sales pitch, a sales pitch. I mean, I saw, I was at the work truck show a couple of weeks ago, and the Twitter feed was just nothing but mini advertising, mini press releases. That's all it was. That, it was just, you know, you know, exhibitor after exhibitor just saying, come see us in booth, blah, blah, you know, come see us in booth, blah, blah, you know, and it's like, you know, who's paying attention to this? Nobody. Nobody's paying attention to that stuff. So uh, if you're going to use social media, use it, use it intelligently. Um, staff, number four, staff, 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 most important people on, you know, it, you know if, if, if nothing else happens, make, you know, make your staff good. I mean, look at this. I mean, I, could go to, I can go to trade shows and take pictures all the time, find pictures like this. I can find pictures like this, you know, where people are sitting around waiting for something to happen, or even the worst example of all, I can find pictures like this. I mean, this is, you know, this is the worst example I've ever seen, but it is so common for staffers to be at a trade show, and they're, you know what, they're not even passive. 
This is not pat this is not even being passive waiting for somebody to come in. This is rejection. This is saying to the people that are walking by, not only do we not want to talk to you, not only do we want to sit down in the booth and absolutely not have any interest in generating new business, but we are going to turn our chairs around so that our backs are to the aisle because we don't even want to see you when you walk by. So you know what? Your staffers are the single most important factor in your success at the show. They really need to know what they are doing when they are working the show. But again, we go back to that question like I asked in the beginning. Who taught them? And the answer is nobody. And so they are behaving like all the other staffers at the show. And let me tell you something. It's real easy for me to find pictures like this. And I have, I, people send me pictures all the time. Uh, of bad examples at, at, of staffers at, at trade shows. So think about it this way, all right? Number one, your staffers need to know that they are integral. If you go back to the objectives and you say, your obje our objectives are to get 32 leads, which means we have to have 160 conversations. And so you, your responsibility is, if you're going to be working this show, out of the 20 hours, maybe you're going to work 10 hours, your responsibility is 20 quality conversations and we expect four of them to be good leads for us. All right? That's your responsibility. And the first thing you can teach people is to be proactive. And if they're going to be proactive, then teach them to follow the SFTF rule. And the SFTF rule is speak first, 10-foot rule. And what that simply means is that when an attendee comes within 10 feet, they have to open their mouth and say something. I don't care what they say to them, but they have to open their mouth and say something because that is the single most important moment of, of, of a conversation. Again, it's like if they don't stop, nothing happens. If they stop and they are ignored, like I told you, like I said, the second, most, second biggest complaint from attendees is that they are ignored. If they are ignored, nothing happens. So if somebody walks into the booth, your staffers must immediately approach them. Immediately approach them. Thank you for coming into our booth. Uh, was there something here specifically that you wanted to talk about? And even if the person says, no, I just like to look around, that's okay. That's okay. You've now acknowledged them and they know it. All right? And if your staffers are not talking to somebody in their booth, it's their responsibility to get their butts out to the edge of the, edge of the aisle and to make contact with people to read body language, to look at people walking by. And if, that, if somebody slows down and, you know, while they're walking by, if somebody takes a double take towards the booth, is to take advantage of that moment you know, and say, hey, I saw you look twice. Hey, I saw you slow down. There must be something here that caught your eye. What caught your eye? You know, your, your staffers must be proactive. Now, I'm not necessarily saying they have to be ag aggressive, super aggressive. I mean, of course, you'll have that staffer you know, who, who, who loves cold calling. And the person who loves cold calling will stand out in the middle of the aisle and they'll direct traffic, you know. Hey, come on in. You can't walk by without walking into the booth. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that. But we do want them to be much, much more proactive. So get them to follow the speak first 10-foot rule. And then the next thing to think about is don't just sell your product, okay? Yeah, that was a secret weapon, okay? Don't just sell your product. This is, this is another secret weapon. 
you're not there to really sell your product. It, I mean, unless you are writing orders at the show. And if you're that unusual company that can do that, then I applaud you. Good for you. Uh, you know, but make sure that you're not stepping over dollars to get nickels. All right. Um, think about the time trade-off of how long it takes to write an order and how much you get versus how many conversations you can have uh, in that place. But don't, if you're not necessarily writing orders at the show, then don't sell your product. Sell the next step. All right? Sell the next step in the relationship building process. Let's say your next step, or you get a lead. Now, what do you want that lead to do? You talk, you know, you talk to um, somebody, you identify them as a prospect. They are showing an interest. Well, okay, then what? The question is, what do you want to have happen next? What happens after the show? And the answer is not, oh, let me scan your badge and we'll follow up with you. That is not the answer. The answer is, well, so, um, okay, so we've got, you know, we've gone about as far as we can here uh, at, at the show, you know, that maybe we should either, uh, I should either come out to your shop or, uh, or we should have another conversation. Maybe we should Skype each other so that I can, I've got some other questions. It's probably going to take, you know, an hour or so for me to make sure that I, I fully understand your situation so that I can give you the best answer possible. And that way then they go, they, they go oh, yeah, okay, well, let's set an appointment. All right, and you say, oh, okay, we'll set a telephone appointment, sell an in, uh, set, uh, set up an in-person appointment. You know, what is it that we're going to do after so We're selling the next step in the relationship building process. When you do that, you're going to be much, much more successful than if you just say, just, you know, you're just focusing on, oh, well, I didn't write the order here today, so let me scan your badge and we'll follow up with you after the show. You know what? Guess who else says that? Guess who else says that to that attendee? Every other exhibitor there says that to them. Are you blending in with the crowd? Are you doing what everybody else is doing? Or are you doing what you should be doing that separates you from everybody else? That also shows the attendee, well, you're maybe a little bit more professional than everybody else, too. So now you're building a relationship. So post-show number five. Man, speeding right along here, and we will get to the questions here in just, in just a second. Post-show, very, very simple. All right. Post-show is uh, probably the one area that the vast majority of exhibitors completely fall flat on their face. It's unbelievable how bad exhibitors are at follow-up. You go back to your, you go back to your, your office, and you've got you know, you a stack of leads, and you go, oh, I'll, I'll get to those leads, but boy, I've got a bunch of stuff here on my desk. I've got to take care of this stuff that's on my desk, all right? You know, and those leads kind of dwindle in, in importance and interest and stuff like that. And, and what ends up happening is a too high percentage of exhibitors either never follow up after the show, unbelievable, just stupid. Uh, they never follow up after the show or they follow up incorrectly. They follow up incorrectly. So the simple thing is, remember, you're, you, you want your staffers to work on selling the next step. The simple thing about post-show follow-up is, is very, very simple. Do what you said you were going to do do it when you said you were going to do it, and do it right the first time. Okay? That is post-show follow-up. All right. 58 minutes. I blasted through this stuff. And, uh, and yeah, you know, like I said, you know, I just crammed basically a full-day program into uh, 58 minutes. Or, you know. But this stuff 
will change your results if you follow this stuff. Uh, so, all right, we got the questions now. Let's go back. Let's go back to some of this stuff. All right, here, you know, the first question, our product looks more expensive than it actually is. Would you display prices to let attendees know what the price actually is? I would not. I would not display that. I would let them think it's expensive, but I would be, obviously, I'm selling value. Uh, I'm selling value, and then in the course of a conversation with somebody, I'm going to be able to say to them, look, guess what? It's not that expensive. It's not as expensive as you think it is. And, uh, um, you know, so I would not really, really do that. Uh, we do 80 trade shows a year find that we do better the second year and subsequent years uh, that we return. How many years do you give a show until you drop it? <sighs> okay, here's, here's the bottom line. Is your target market attending the show? If your target market is attending the show and you're not getting results out of the show, it's not the show's fault. And it's not the target market's fault. Plain and simple. Uh, the only reason I would not be at a trade show is if my target market wasn't there. I mean, you know, think about it. If I had a, if I had a room full, if I had if I had a hundred of your of of people who fit the profile of your target market in a room in a hotel, and I called you up and I said, "Would you like to come?" What would you say? The answer is, yeah, absolutely, you'd be there. All right, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to sell to them. So that's that's the answer. All right. Um, let's see. Ba ba ba. Can I comment on different show strategies for a regional show, national show, and a really large international show? Um, well, basically, the different strat the strategies really are, are only are, are they're not that much different, other than the fact that um, when you're in a big show, of course, you know when you're in a, a, a major international show, you're competing with a lot more people. Um, Pre-show promotion is really where the difference comes in. Uh, because in a lot of local shows, you really don't get that much opportunity to get the lists, you know, or the registrants or something like that. If you can, cool. Very, very cool. Uh, um, you know, is contacting people ahead of time. Uh, the, main, the, the main thing is to understand what your objectives are. I don't, I don't really approach the shows that much differently other than, other than okay, what am I able to do? You know, if, if I'm going to a show where I have, no, there's no way that I know I, I can get a list of people that are coming to the show. There's no way I can uh, identify them ahead of time so that I can communicate with them in pre-show. You know, then I'm going to have to be much, much more aggressive on, on the show floor. Uh, uh, but if I can get that list, if I can contact prospects ahead of time and get them to put me on their agenda, put me on their radar screen, then then that's what I want to do. And I'm going to, spend, I'm going to actually spend more time and probably more money on my pre-show than I am going to be on, on my booth, all right? Because, because uh, I would, like, you know, if we use a, any, any show, for example, I mean, you know, even if there's only 200 exhibitors at the show, if I have the ability to, to contact people ahead of time, uh, and, and the average person you know, depending upon the size of the show, you know, if they're a small show, they might get 10 or 20 invitations ahead of time. Uh, and where would I rather be? Would I rather be competing with 10 or 20 other invitations, or would I rather be competing with 200 other exhibitors? So it real, a lot of it really depends on whether I am able to have effective, uh, aggressive pre-show promotion. Uh, but at any show, um, you know, your staffers really need to be ready to ready to rock for rock and roll. Um, 
Let's see, what I'm saying is not to get lead retrieval because it turns into a scan contest. Um, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying not to get lead retrieval. I'm saying not to do that, um, you know, that thing where an attendee walks into the booth and immediately you've got your scanner out and you're just saying, well, let me scan your badge. You know, or you have a two-minute conversation. You say, "Well, let me let me scan your badge, and we'll we'll send you some information or something like that." It's the, you see, that's a crutch. Then, that's a crutch. I mean, there's some really you know lead retrieval systems. I mean, I mean, hey, look. The bottom line is, is that lead retrieval systems were developed by companies because exhibitors were too lazy to capture the information themselves. Now, do you, do you have to have it? No, of course not. No, of course not. You don't have to have lead retrieval systems. But unfortunately, more and more attendees are going to trade shows and they're not carrying business cards. So the idea of using the lead retrieval system is fine if I'm at the, after I've had a 10, 15, 20 minute quality conversation with somebody and then I'll say, okay, well, we're gonna, let, let's, all right, we're gonna follow up with you. Uh, um, so let me scan your badge. Let me capture your information. Let me make sure everything is right here because I also wanna write down how we're gonna follow up with you after the show. So let's see, here's uh, give guidance on how smaller companies can gauge the differences between regional, national, and international shows. Um, it, uh, smaller companies, you know, obviously you gotta be much, much, you, you've got to be more creative. Uh, you've got to be a more out loud, like the visual train wreck thing. I mean, I have certainly worked with companies who just, and, and in my opinion, there are a lot of companies out there that just take themselves way too seriously. You know, when I say, hey, we're going to a show, it's all blue, you know, we need to have a bright red booth or we need to have a bright orange booth or, so, or, or something like that because we need to be a visual trainer. And they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, that's not professional. That's not professional. We have to be professional. Oh, no, 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 we, we have to be blue. And I go, okay, fine, you're going to be blue and you're going to have another terrible show, you know, because nobody's going to see you. You're going to blend in with everybody else out there. So, yeah, um, uh, you know, on the bigger shows, you have to be a little bit more out loud and a little bit more aggressive. And, um, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, especially in business to business, here's, a, here's one of the greatest fallacies in business to business, the uh, uh, greatest myth, is it's business, is, is we call it business to business. What a crock. We are still selling to people. It's people doing business with people. It doesn't matter whether they are consumers or whether they're buying business products. You are still doing business with people. They are still the people who took their grandkids out to a movie or took their family out to dinner, you know, and went to Disneyland. And I mean, they, they're just like us, all right? So having fun is, is actually something, you know, it's refreshing for people when they're involved, especially in a world that seems to be just so darn serious. I mean, you want what you're doing to be congruent with your company. You know, you do want to have a personality uh, that, you know, a congruent, uh, congruence with your personality, but you can still have fun with that. And I think that having fun and, and you know, becoming that visual train wreck, both in, in your communications, uh, uh, and not just at trade shows, but all the time, all the time. You know, like you notice, or, my, orange, orange, you know, orange. Uh, and, you know, I cut my, my color is orange, and everything that I do with my clients, and I'm all B2B. Everything I do with my clients is about being orange. I'm also known as Kelly's dad, all right, uh, and uh, uh, and everybody knows that. But it's B to B, okay. Um, 
what value I put on product placement throughout the show. I'm not sure I understand what you, what you mean by that. Uh, presence and messaging. Are you talking about location uh, at the show? I'm going to say, uh, um, you, you know, your location at the show is a lot has a lot less to do with your success than you think it is. Um, because uh, again, if you do great promotion, then then uh, you know they're going to come and find you. You know, uh, attendees are going to walk the show, all right? And uh, that's that's what they say they do. They walk the show, and attendees look at all the mail that they get ahead of time, and they 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 look at the pre-show promotions that they get, and they create their agendas based on that stuff. And I mean, I've had you know clients who are in the you know the the back forty of huge trade shows, and we're fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine because we get people to come to see us, you know, rather than having to, uh, you know, wait to see if we, uh, if, if we do stop seeing them. Uh, <laughs> we stopped doing blue years ago. Now our competitors are copying our orange and yellow. What do we do now? Go blue. You know, best piece of advice I can give you is look at what everybody else is doing and then don't do it. How's that? All right. Jeff. I have 100 fountain pens that don't leak. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, excellent presentation. Thank you very much. Uh, da, 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 da. When we get off this conference call, can you suggest a conference or show where you can learn even more about marketing, exhibiting? Uh, when I know is Exhibitor, AMA's annual con conference. Well, Exhibitor's the Exhibitor's probably the best known uh, of all the all the conferences. Um, one thing to pay attention to is, and I would certainly recommend that you go into um, uh, start tracking and start following the IMTS exhibitor webinar series, because not only do we talk, uh, not only do we talk about different things. I mean, if I'm talking about video marketing, or if I'm talking about content marketing, or if I'm, you know, or uh, or things like that, uh, then uh, that we also tie it into how you can use this at exhibiting. All right. Um, so, uh, um, you know, so, you know, exhibitor show is good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Um, let's see, am I going to be at IMTS? Oh yeah, I'm always at IMTS. I'm like a bad penny at IMTS. You know, so yeah, thanks for the help. What's the most effective use of video? What's the purpose of the booth? Okay, it's to get people to stop. And if you can use video to get people to stop, cool. That's the best use. Um, you can use video to support a message that you want to share with people after they've stopped. But don't think that you can put on a 10-minute video or a 5-minute video out front and think that people are just going to stop and just watch the video. That's not going to happen. Okay? The best use of video also, pre-show. Use video, use YouTube videos to demonstrate you know, who you are, demonstrate what you're going to be doing at the show, why they should come in and see you. That's where I would also use video. Uh, let's see. What do I think about really big TVs? I think they take a really big amount of space. <laughs> is what I is what I think. Um, again, it goes back to what is it going to take people to stop in your booth? All right. So uh, um, it, it has to be interesting, engaging, uh, uh, um, you, you know, uh, valuable to them, um, you know, and congruent with your company. I mean, you can't have videos, uh, you know, you can't have porn videos to grab attention of people walking by your booth, obviously. Uh, what's the best color for the floor of the booth? Ooh, that's an interesting question. What's the best color of the floor of the booth? There's a couple of ways of looking at that. One is one is that 
to make it non-intimidating for people to walk into your booth, and so you make the color as close to the aisle carpet as possible so that they don't see that electrified fence. You know, it makes them you know, sub subliminally, subconsciously, it makes it easy for them to cross. The other thing is that it is congruent with your brand. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I am a branding guy. I mean, that's kind of the, one of the main things that I'm really, really, uh, I really, really do with companies. But branding only when I can connect the dots to results. All right, everything has to connect the dots to results. But what I will do is I will like, like if if your color is red, and especially like if you're a small business and you've got a ten foot booth. Uh, you know, the best way to be a visual train wreck is to kill them with color. So, like, for example, you know, red, we'll just use, you know, think about that red, the red booth that I showed you. Now, they had a white carpet. Now, I would probably have a red carpet. I mean, I would just absolutely, you know, just just, just make it bleed, you know, if, it, if I was going to use red. Uh, so I would make it very congruent with your branding colors, but I would also make it really, really big. Um, yeah, gray, turquoise, and red. I, you know, play up the colors that are going to grab somebody's eyes. Play up those. Play up those colors. Gray is not going to grab anybody anybody's eyes. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't need your emails. Let's see. Uh, thanks. Hey, from France, Laurent. Thank you very much. Uh, merci. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I have to go. <laughs> yeah, class is being recorded. We're getting down to the last couple of ones. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, let's see. And uh, thank you, Laurent. So that's it for the questions. We are a few minutes over. I, I kind of figured we probably would go a little bit over uh, because there's just so much information to share in such a short period of time. But uh, I hope this has been valuable for you, uh, and, uh, and I appreciate you joining me. If you want to contact me with any questions, please go read my blog at twohatmarketing.com. By the way, I've got a very funny uh, off-topic video, a uh, video bomb of a local newscast here in Seattle. Probably one of the funniest video bombs I've ever seen. And this is Kelly. You know, I'm better known as Kelly's dad. She plays golf for Portland State University. She's got a scholarship. Daddy's happy. So thank you again, everybody, for joining me today. This is Steve Miller, better known as Kelly's dad. And I uh, hope to see you next month. Hope to see you at IMTS, and I will always see you on the internet. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye.